Good morning. My name is Matthew Hawkins, and I am one of the pastors here at Desert Springs. I am excited to get into this conversation. Now, I know that um, this will be very monologue-ish as I preach here from this wonderful podium. Um, We invite you to the Explore God uh, series um, and the dialogue that we'll have um, right down the street at a restaurant called Haymakers uh, Sports Grill. It was just on the screens there. If you want to find more information, you can definitely um, grab cards right outside of these double doors. There'll be a black table. It's a bunch of small cards on that table. Grab a few and join us there for dialogue. You can find me or join me in a Bible like this. There's two places you can get these Bibles, actually three um, on the back walls, or you can follow me on the screens in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. If you are there and you're reading the ESV version, you will see these words. Long ago, at many times, And in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in the last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things. And through him and through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Can you know God personally? The big point that I will talk about or argue here is yes, you can know God personally over time through his son and through the work of Jesus Christ. To be fair, I believe that the skeptics on the screen weren't saying that God was unknowable because they can't hear him or or hear his voice spoken to them. I don't think that they were saying that you can't know because you can't hear. Because oftentimes we would say that we know our pets or our babies who can't necessarily talk back to us. I think more importantly, what they were arguing was they personally haven't had an experience with God themselves. And I think if we're honest, Jesus followers or non-Jesus followers here right now, that's what, that's what you would probably say. When you've had challenges, or when bad things have happened, or when you really needed an an answer, it was challenging for you in that moment to have a real life God experience. What we're gonna see in the text is that it is possible to actually know God in a personal way. Quick story, I was in Pleasanton, California a while back long time ago when my kids were extremely tiny. If you can picture being in Pleasanton, California, one of the largest, or actually the largest mall in Pleasanton, not far from Oakland, not far from Hayward, not far from San Francisco, 
Picture me, dad, trying to give mom a break and holding the stroller with two of my babies in the back part of the stroller and in the front part of the stroller. And then I have my oldest son holding on to the stroller. And then I have one of those cool little nifty strap your kid to your chest things. And, and I got baby Joe on my chest. And in my mind, I'm thinking, ooh, I'm going to give my wife a break as she goes to look at shoes, and I'm just going to walk around the mall, and everybody's going to go to sleep. What really happened was <laughs> my kids are asking for every single piece of food that they see, and the baby on my chest is crying and being obnoxious and so annoying, and I'm freaking out. That's what's really happening. All of a sudden, of course, this always happens, some lady takes it upon herself to pour gasoline on the fire that's already taken place in my reality here. She starts to ask me questions. She first says, are all of those brown babies yours? <laughs> Second question <laughs> that she asks, um, very eloquently, she says to me, do you know kids are good for taking three things? They kill your money, they kill your time, and they kill your sanity. <laughs> that was true. It's very, very true. <laughs> and then finally, she says, do you think that the baby on your chest knows how much you have given up for him? What she was really saying was, do you think that that baby can know you intimately and personally? I was excited about all the questions because I love my brown babies and I love being brown myself. I told her, yes, all four of these are my brown babies from the same mama and the same daddy, and I pay for all of them. <laughs> and... Number two, <laughs> I told her, the preacher in me was excited about this opportunity to educate her on this reality. I understand that they will, yes, take all the time and all the money and all of my sanity, the little that I have left at this moment that you're asking me this question. But because of the love that's in me, I will make it. She didn't ask no questions after that. <laughs> then, of course, the, the last question is kind of what a lot of you guys are thinking if you are far from God or if you're anti-God. Can something so small, so seemingly insignificant like a human, can this human, if God is really real, can a human actually connect to something greater than itself like a baby? Can a baby connect to big mom and big dad? And my answer to that is emphatically, yes. Over time, and with a lot of good parenting, I believe, because I'm a good father, this little baby on my chest lady will know me and technically does know me. Now the question that you're probably asking is, how do you define the word no? In scripture, 
it clearly says that the way that we know the Father is through the Son. If I can cut across the field for the sake of time here, the only way that we know a God according to the Bible is that we must know Jesus. Now, for some of you who are still on the fence here, this is very disrespectful. This seems a little too close-minded. This seems a little too exclusive. And I would push back on you very lovingly and kindly, and I would say anything that you subscribe to is just as exclusive and just as closed off. Because you can't truly have a real conviction unless it says yes to what you believe and no to something else. Well, what about all of those people that say <laughs> everything is what you make of it and you do you and, and, and whatever floats your boat? And I would push back on that, and scripture would, and any reasonable person would, and they would say, how's that working out for you? And is that universally possible across the board? Can everybody do whatever they want to do, whatever they feel like doing, and that's all of a sudden going to bring happiness and human flourishing because everybody's doing what they want to do. How's that working out for you? I would submit to you today that we live in a world, we live in a context where we all at some point are walking contradictions. The things that we're confessing aren't necessarily congruent with the things that are truly convicting our hearts. This happens at the beginning of the year every year. We confess that we will no longer eat bread and then we go and sneak some bread. We confess that this is going to be a brand new year with brand new ways and by January 20 something, maybe January 7th, <laughs> We're far from what we committed to. I love this quote. Theologian C.S. Lewis says, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. If I can push it, Ravi Zacharias, another theologian, apologist says, a man rejects God neither because of intellectual demands nor because of the scarcity of evidence. A man rejects God because of a moral resistance that refuses to admit his need for God. It isn't that they believe that God isn't speaking, it's that they believe or you sometimes believe that he's not speaking what I want him to speak. He's not saying what I need him to say. And if I'm honest, in my own life, when I was like, oh my gosh, could you just say something to me in this moment? What I was saying was, you're not saying or doing what I need you to do right now. <laughs> you're not 
letting me and my way be in control right now. There's a cool book, Hidden Worldviews, Eight Cultural Stories That Shape Our Lives by Steve Wilkins and Mark Sanford. Great book. I encourage you to look at it. But they lay out several worldviews that are counter this Christian, Judeo-Christian worldview. And I'll just run through them really quickly. And at some point, if I can pick on myself for a second, I have subscribed to many of these just this past month. And I'm a self-proclaiming Jesus follower. Individualism. I am the creator of my universe. I know you've never done this. Just me. Consumerism. I am what I own. Nationalism. My nation over God. An imbalanced and distorted form of something that looks like good patriotism, but it's gone too far. Moral relativism. Moral relativism has a number of problems. No one can live by it. No standpoint is uniquely privileged over all others. I just mentioned that one a little earlier. Scientific naturalism. Only matter matters. Pastor Caleb talks about um, nothing more than a sack of chemicals. If we subscribe to that mentality, that would mean that you aren't really created as the image of God, image bearer, but you're just meaningless, nobody, chemical. Postmodern tribalism, identity is becoming more anchored not in something greater than yourself but what looks like around you your ethnicity your gender sexual orientation or some other element i mention all of all of those to say this all of these in addition to major world religions push an exclusive way of thinking that says it is not that but it's this make tons of money and that's who you are. That's what success is. <laughs> or whatever of these eight hidden worldviews you might subscribe to. What I suggest to you today is those worldviews will not stand. If you put those to the test and you ask each of those worldviews to answer these four major questions, I promise you they will not stand. First question, where do we come from? What's our origin? Second question, what's meaning? What does all of this stuff mean? Third question, <laughs> what's morality? What's right versus wrong? Final question, this is a big one. Where do we end up when this is all over? Is your worldview, whether you are a self-proclaiming Jesus follower or you're an atheist or something other than, is your worldview consistently congruent and coherent and able to connect all of these four major questions in a beautiful way? tapestry of truth that is universally possible to be followed. Can people follow your worldview and be happy and have joy 
and be successful, no matter what the color of their skin is, no matter how much money they have in their bank account, no matter how much their past was great or terrible, can they follow your worldview? As you seriously explore God, those who are sure of Christ or skeptical, you must put your worldview to the test. What the worldview in Hebrews chapter one is saying to you and saying to me and speaking in that original context to a pluralistic society that was in the middle of a city where there were tons of people saying all types of things what the author is saying here is that Christ, Jesus Christ, is superior to every pluralistic worldview you can suggest. Jesus Christ is the image of God and he can be known in a personal way. Not only can Jesus Christ be known in a personal way, but he can be followed, he can be lived for, and he's worth it. In this context, it literally says long ago, at many times, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But, verse two, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir, of all things, God does speak to us right now. And he speaks to us through his son, Jesus Christ, who did not stay in a beautiful environment and look down on us and say, you should be and you should do, but God wraps himself in human flesh and chooses to be born of a human and come and live among humans as a human, 100% physical man and 100% God. Now I can hear you, I can hear you say, this sounds crazy, this sounds unbelievable. And I'm gonna push back on you and say yes, it does sound crazy and it does sound unbelievable. And if my God is worth following, I wanna have a personal relationship with something that is beautiful and not average. I wanna have a personal relationship with something that literally transcends the way that I normally think. I don't know about you, but it's not any more crazy or otherworldly than some of its alternatives, but there's more. It says, God literally wants to communicate with us, and he wants to communicate with us in a personal, relational way that doesn't say, I'm so perfect, come to my level. But Jesus says to me and he says to you, I know what it means to have pain. I know what it means to suffer. I know what it means to be tempted in every single way. I don't know about you, but I want to connect with someone. I want to have a personal relationship with someone that's not a 
big, know-it-all, get-it-all-right all the time. I want to connect with somebody that knows what I've been through. Cool thing is, Jesus is both. <laughs> Jesus is perfect in every way, but at the same time, Jesus has been tried in every way, Scripture teaches. I love what Tim Keller suggests in his book on marriage, that this moment in Scripture can be compared to intensely close personal relationships. I got to tell you a story, and I regret to tell you this. This might blow some of your minds when I say it. Get ready, hold on to your seats. When I got married 11 years ago, I had no clue what the heck I was getting myself into. <laughs> I thought, this is a true story, I thought that I could change certain parts of my wife's life and her personality and her character through negotiation, through persuasion, and sometimes through dictatorship. <laughs> I never verbalized that. I never said that out loud. But this little idiot inside of me, I don't even know what it was. It just made me believe that, oh yeah, that's something I don't really like. Oh yeah, that's something I don't really like. But eventually over time, I'll get her right. You guys are laughing because you thought the same thing. <laughs> if I can push it for those who aren't married, if you're raising kids, if you have employees, if you are somebody's kid, if you have a brother or if you have a sister, there's something in all of us that thinks when we enter the room, it's not going to always be this way. We can change them. We can fix them. I love what Tim Keller argues in this book on marriage. What he says is that true intimacy begins when you see a part of their will that you cannot change and you continue to move forward anyway. People say it like this, you accept them for who they are. Now, when you see that aspect of that individual, whether it's a marriage or any other type of relationship, and you cannot change them, you got two options. Option number one, leave. You mean leave? Yeah, that's, that's option number one, you leave. Option number two, love them through it. <laughs> Whew. True intimacy happens when you see those things that are final and you have to love them anyway. Somebody said out in the front, warts and all. 
When you refuse to do that, what you're saying is, I don't like this aspect of you enough to no longer deal with it. I'm out. If I did that as a parent, you guys will call CPS or whatever the organization is, you would call them on it. You would call it neglect. Somehow in, 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 in other relationships, you'll call it something else. It's funny though, how in our relationship with God, when there is something that we personally don't appreciate, sometimes we do the exact same thing. We'll say, hey, you have me on some of those good prophet, good teacher sayings, good rabbi sayings. But when you're talking about loving neighbors and do good to those who despitefully use you and <laughs> seek forgiveness and be patient and long suffering, ain't nobody got time for that, Jesus. What's the alternative? The alternative is really simple. The alternative is I just make up my own God that doesn't challenge any of my will. It doesn't challenge any of my personality traits. It's a yes man or a yes woman type of a God. And you know what we do when we create that kind of God? We lose intimacy. We lose personality. And ultimately we lose growth. kind of happens to, and, and you've seen all these different testimonies, but, but it happens to the actress or the actor or, or the athlete who surrounds themselves with a bunch of people that all they do is say yes. And with all the money, with all the power and all the prestige, and they surround themselves with a bunch of yeses, this is their testimony, not mine. They say, I got to a place and I didn't even know who I was anymore. A lack of intimacy ultimately challenges our humanity. We don't even feel human anymore. If I can push it, I'll tell you this story and we'll land the plane. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm out in the lobby, and you guys, some of y'all would have to agree because you've done this to me. Sometimes when I'm out in the lobby, I'll be standing there, shaking hands, kissing babies, you know, mm, mm, mm. meeting people, greeting. And somebody will come to me and they'll say one of two things. Number one, they'll say, hey, preacher dude. They won't say it like that, but, you know. They'll say something about the sermon. And the second thing they'll say is, say something about my son, my oldest kid. His name's Matthew Jeremiah Hawkins. And without fail, this happens all the time. They'll say, you look like him. Every time. They will tell me, the father, that I look like the son. And what they're really saying is, every time they see Matthew, he reminds them of me. 
and they see him and his personality and his character and his attributes so much so that they no longer see me, but they see him. And so when they see me, I remind them of him. Scripture said it like this. But in, the, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Verse three. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. What the Bible says is exactly what I just said about me and my son. When they see Matthew, they see me. What the text just said is when you see Jesus and you hear the words that come out of the mouth of Jesus, you hear God because Jesus is the imprint, the same exact personality of God. How does God speak to your situation right now through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the very word of God through his son.